Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello and welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today on my podcast, I want to talk to you guys about trade credit insurance. So uh, you would know if you've been following my podcast from the start that I've done some early podcasts on trade credit insurance and I've been a pretty heavy advocate for trade credit insurance. Um, I don't sell the stuff and I don't ever, ever, ever take a commission or a kickback or any kind of incentive or anything like that. So when I talk to you guys about this stuff, I'm talking to you about it because I think it's going to help your business. Trade credit insurance has let me down. In the last uh, couple of weeks, we've had a lot of calls from subbies who have got policies and the insurers come out and said, hey, you know that builder you've been working with for all this time, you can't have any cover on him anymore. And people have been saying, hey, is this allowable? Can they do that under the policy? And unfortunately they can. They can give you notice that they no longer want to cover one of your customers. And the other thing is when people's insurance policies are coming up for renewal, obviously the insurer is not obliged to give you another policy for the next year. So um, that's where people have been coming unstuck. Now, from an operational perspective, I want to talk you guys through whether this means that trade credit insurance policies are pointless, because it certainly seems that way. It seems like if you have been doing work for a builder, suddenly the insurance company decides the builder's too risky for you to do work with anymore he can just pull the rug out from under you there's a few things for you to think about here first of all it's going to depend on how many builders you're working for and how much of your risk is spread out and how many people are actually covered by your policy now so if you're a subby who works for two main builders all the time and six or seven body corporates or other customers or little resi jobs or fit out work or something like that and you're doing it direct for a client then maybe trade credit insurance is pointless for you now if one of your two builders is no longer covered and the other guys you're working for aren't covered anyway because they're not really relevant um, customers that would be insurable or uh, it could be the case that you know that one of your other builders is fine because they pay you deposits or they pay you in advance or something like that. So from a commercial perspective, caveat on, I can't say that trade credit insurance is not going to be pointless. It's going to depend on how many customers you've got. But one thing a client said to me the other day was, oh, I should just put this money in the bank account then. I'm better off just having money for a rainy day than a trade credit insurance policy. Well, that assumes that the amount that you will likely claim under your policy is equal to or less than the amount of your premium. And if your premium is between ten dollars and $40,000 a year, I wouldn't mind betting that if a builder goes broke or a customer of yours goes broke and you would have had trade credit insurance, that your policy probably would have covered you for a lot more than that. Um, potentially, you would stand to lose on any given um, time frame when you build a default 
you might lose 10x that you might lose uh you, you know you just don't know so it's one thing to say well i should just put money in the bank look if you're talking about health insurance and it's viable that you could put that money in the bank and not spend it and potentially the consequences if they do eventuate are not going to be so catastrophic that it's not 10 years worth of health insurance that you would need to outlay for then maybe that theory works but when it comes to builder insolvency you're typically going to be strung out for three months worth of payments at the time that you might find out your builder's going broke and that's if you're doing everything right i should say because a lot of subbies don't actually have an accounts receivable escalation procedure they don't follow it if they do have one and they don't suspend work so what i'm talking about there is the first month of money that you'll be owed will be the month that you don't know you're not going to get paid for so month one you're working away maybe you've been working every month for this builder for three years but this one particular month he doesn't pay and then you go oh that was strange and then by the time you actually work out and say something to the builder about it or by the time you figure out that you're not going to be paid i should add you've already got another payment claim in because we know that we claim at the end of the month and then usually the builder pays in the first couple of days of the month the start of the next next month so 30 days end of month so by the time you work out you're not going to be paid you've already got another payment claim in then in month three you might go oopsie daisy i'm really actually not going to get paid for month one month two we'll wait and see what happens with that but what do i do now that's when you need to be using your accounts receivable escalation procedure to mitigate against doing more and more work in the hole because that whip you're likely never to be paid for that whip if your builder goes broke suddenly overnight and you're owed anywhere from one to three months worth of work at that point it's very likely that the amount that you're going to be owed is going to be much, much more than the value of your premium for any one given year in your trade credit insurance policy. So that is why I think it's worth still having one. Yes, you can justify and say, well, Michelle, my builder might not go broke this year. Well, yeah, your builder might not go broke this year, but if one of your builders does, the consequences are so extreme that most businesses couldn't weather that loss. So I do think it is still worth uh, having a trade credit insurance policy, but I am concerned about uh, insurers just pulling cover on builders the moment that they look shaky. Now, the second thing I wanna talk about with trade credit insurance policies is the preference payments provisions in the trade credit insurance policies. So the, you're not just at risk of the money that you haven't been paid. If your builder goes broke, you're actually also at risk for the amounts that the builder did pay you in the six months prior to going broke. And that's what we call a preference payment. So if your builder goes broke and a liquidator is appointed, the liquidator is obliged to look back at all the payments made by the builder in the six months before they went broke and work out whether you ought to have reasonably known that the builder was struggling financially and if you might have received a preference payment. And those liquidators are legally obliged to chase down preference payments. So you could very well find yourself in a situation where the money you've been paid, even if you're still owed more money, even if you're still owed more, you might have to pay some of that back. So the other thing about trade credit insurance policies is that many of them have got 
provisions in them that say that they will cover you for a preference payment where a liquidator asks you to pay that money back. Now, the thing about that is, if you read the terms and conditions in the trade credit insurance policy, oftentimes it will say that you first have to pay the money to the liquidator and you'll get reimbursed. So here's the thing. If a liquidator comes back to you and says, you need to pay back however many hundred thousand dollars you were paid in the last six months before this builder went broke, how many of you can come up with the cash to give that to the liquidator and then wait for the trade credit insurer to pay you that money back. That is an operational consideration about whether or not you think your trade credit insurance policy is going to be worth it for you. Now, tip number three about trade credit insurance policies. These things cannot be set and forget. In fact, you need to have an accounts receivable procedure that is tailored for the way that your trade credit insurance policy wording is written. So if you are invoicing willy-nilly as you feel like it and you don't have an actual set regime every month for how you invoice, it's very likely that you could fall foul of your trade credit insurance policy and not be covered. So let me give you an example. Some trade credit insurance policies require you to invoice within 30 days of doing the work or providing the goods. So if you're invoicing on the last day of the month and it is a 31 day month, you need to look at your trade credit insurance policy and work out whether you needed to invoice earlier that month. So that's one example of how these things can be very finely tuned. Now, most of the time your builders will require you to put your payment claim in anywhere between the 25th, 28th, 30th, last day of the month. Uh, but you need to have a system in place to make sure that you invoice within the, the time frame you're required to invoice under your trade credit insurance policy. And then if you don't get paid, you need to have a procedure in place for what you do at what stage in the process and whether you're able to grant the builder an extension to make that payment, so extended credit terms. So it's not as simple as just getting the policy and then calling them up if the builder doesn't pay you. Just on that uh, topic as well, there are things called notifiable events and some of the more recent policies I've read have stopped calling them notifiable events and they call them much more ambiguous things. So uh, what a notifiable event is, is it's when a builder or your customer does something that leads you to think that they're not financially stable. Now, if something happens, you need to promptly tell your insurer about what happened and why you think that they might not be solvent anymore. So if you've got a trade credit insurance policy and you give a payment claim to a builder and they respond to you and say, do you mind if we pay this next month? We haven't been paid by the principal yet and we're struggling to find enough cash to keep the job going or something along those lines. That would be a notifiable event. And in fact, oftentimes uh, builders will and customers will contact you guys and say, do you mind if we pay you next week? The principal hasn't paid us yet. That could be something as simple as a text message. Um, and you might find that if you don't disclose those things, you could well void your policy, your trade credit insurance policy. So it's super important that you're aware of how you can void your trade credit insurance policy. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is 
disputed amounts. So trade credit insurance policies will cover you uh, if your builder just doesn't pay you. But in most states and territories, builders are required to give you a payment schedule. In Queensland, at least, it's actually an offence if they don't give you a payment schedule. So if the builder proposes to pay you a lesser amount and they say why, that would be a what they call a genuine dispute under a trade credit insurance policy. And that money will not be covered under your policy. You're also not going to be uh, covered for the costs of resolving a genuine dispute. And in Australia, our security of payment legislation, the cheapest and fastest way for you to get a decision on a genuine dispute in the construction industry is typically the adjudication method. So if you're going to use adjudication to debt recover, and I recommend that you look into it if you're not being paid because it is a fast and cost-effective regime if it's done right and you've got somebody helping you with it, then you won't be, your trade credit insurer is unlikely to pay you anything or reimburse you the costs of adjudication because that would be seen as reimbursing you for the costs of resolving a genuine dispute. Now we know that what builders write in payment schedules is very rarely a genuine dispute. It's usually some drummed up excuse for why they think they can get away with short paying you rather than a genuine dispute. So you can see how very quickly a trade credit insurance mob would have grounds to try to push back on paying you um, out under your policy. So look, the purpose of this podcast is not to beat down trade credit. I think that trade credit insurance policies are still worth their weight in gold, even if it's just for builder insolvency and preference payments. I reserve my right to change my opinion about that if they take away the preference payments uh, provisions in the trade credit policies. But if you are on the hunt for a trade credit insurance policy at the moment and you're on the fence about whether or not to get one and you do get one, get in contact with me, questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au and I'll send you a list of 10 questions that you should ask your broker because you need to make sure you get the right policy for you. There are certain underwritings that you will want in your policy based on what you do. So for example, if you're a trade who always has retentions held, you're going to need to have that in your policy so that you're actually covered for retentions as they're accrued, not when they become due and payable, which is at the very end of the DLP and the builder's probably already broke by then. Uh, you need to make sure that you're covered for preference payments. Always do that. And then the last little gold nugget and the newest thing on the block is to ask for this binding contracts clause. Get the binding contracts clause in your trade credit insurance policy. Make sure that if you are under, stuck under a bind, binding contract with your customer that you'll get the 90-day extension if the insurer decides to pull cover on that particular customer. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the doggers farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade.
Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. 